All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to a special draft episode of Barn Burner. You're probably seeing, hearing, downloading this around Tuesday. Round one of the NHL entry draft from Nashville is Wednesday. Rounds two through seven is Thursday. A switch up from the Friday and then the weekend follow-up that we've seen traditionally. The draft is in Nashville. We're doing this today live from the Tower Studios because... Boom and I are traveling to Nashville today. So we're doing this a couple days ahead of time. I've got a couple of great guests. It's I'm calling it the draft primer for the Calgary Flames. Welcome aboard. My name is Ryan Pinder alongside Joel Henderson. He is the Western scout for FC hockey, as well as the director of scouting for puckpreps.com. Uh, joining us from his home in Saskatchewan, I believe. Joel, yep. how are you, buddy? <laughs> doing really well. I'm always excited when I can talk flames. It doesn't happen so much. You know, these days, it's more just prospects in general, but I always love to say hi to the Flames community. Love it. So we're mixing your passions today, and I feel the same way about our guest, Byron Bader, who joins us in studio of HockeyProspecting.com, the man who invented and created HockeyProspecting.com. You're a Calgary guy, and you've got all kinds of, I guess, tools and models that analyze how prospects are doing and whether that's the year before their draft or post-draft. Welcome aboard. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm calgary flames guy as well so always like you know being in that calgary flames window and talking calgary flames prospect so we'll do that we've got a bunch of things to get to we even got a couple bets for you today in terms of uh, on betway you can actually say hey uh 
Joe McGillicuddy, uh, 12 and a half over under. Oh, I think he's going to go number eight. We'll bet the under on that. Or oh, he's no good. He's going to slide to 25. We've got a few sneaky bets for you as well at the end of the show. And, and we are going to talk a lot of Flames. What do we do here? It feels like a massive inflection point for the Flames, a turning of a chapter, if not an entire new era for the Flames. You got a new GM, you got a new head coach. Jerome's on his way. There's been a cleansing of the palate, so to speak. But it doesn't necessarily mean the roster is going to be totally different, although there are seven unrestricted free agents and two very high profile ones in Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin that are going to dictate top dollar on max term deals when they arrive to free agency in the summer of 2024 as that cap's expected to begin a large climb. So lots to get to there. Reminder, we are broadcasting you live from the Tower Chrysler Studios. Uh, well, they're the Consumer Choice Award winner, voted Calgary's favorite Chrysler Dodge dealer, 10901 McLeod Trail South and at towerchrysler.com. If you see us zipping around in the nation truck or the nation, nation Jeep adorned with the big logo, uh, take a picture. Throw it up on your socials with the hashtag Nation Jeep or Nation Truck. Fellas, it's finally here. It's the draft class of 2023, and it's one that's been talked about for a while. We'll start with you, Joel. When did you start hearing about the 2023 class, or is this just a fool's errand? There's always people way too excited about a draft class, uh, and then it arrives and it's a normal draft class, not something special or, or, or pathetic after all. Well, I think the narrative from Western Canada specifically had to actually do with um, you know, the whole COVID and everything like that, because you got to see a lot of these players come into the hub mm. uh, of the WHL before they even were supposed to, right? So uh, uh, Bedard was supposed to play in this, but all of a sudden you've got Riley Height, um, you know, Braden Yeager, Andrew Crystal, these guys starting to play in the WHL early and realizing that these guys are players early. Um, you know, Andrew Crystal at the time, I think was like five foot seven, 140 and hmm. putting up points. He's putting up points right off the bat. And so I think from the hype standpoint out West, even of guys who weren't coming, the Matthew Woods, um, even, you know, go as far down as the Jaden Perrons who were going a different route from the Western perspective of things. This hype has been for quite a while. What about you, Byron? I, I know that uh, a lot of people look back to 03. It came up on a show last week about, oh man, that 03 class. And you think about if you can hit later and not just in a top five guy where we know your model says look after that your odds decline further down past 10 your odds decline into the 20s even less we know the further away you get from the top the harder it is to find franchise player but certain draft classes uh, we look at patrice berger on the middle of the second round shea weber middle of the second round late first rounders being stars you look at anaheim alone what does that franchise look like with perry and getzlaff those were top 10 picks you had a teen and one in the 20s i believe does is there any sort of feels around this row three or is that just maybe too narrative heavy? Yeah. I mean, like when you look at Oh three model wise, like it doesn't look as naturally strong. It doesn't kind of bubble to the top. And my, my, my thought was always that that extra year that they got because of the lockout helped a lot of those players. Cause there was no push to try and get this guy in the NHL. Like, mm. is he going to jump up to the NHL at some point? Like it was basically, no, you're in the HL or you're in junior or wherever, mm -hmm. and you're just there. There's no pressure on you. And I think that kind of helped them. But yeah, like when you look at this draft class, like in terms of my model and look at the, at these really high caliber guys that, you know, tend to bubble to the top. And these are the ones that turn into your stars and turn into your superstars and have these, you know, 15 year careers. There is, tons of them in this draft like there's more than any other draft that i have in my system which goes back to 1990 Jeez. so right at the top i mean they, there's just it's just loaded 
all the way through. And I mean, I mean, I, I, I hear about these drafts a little bit later than probably somebody like Joel who's, who's watching these guys. But I remember even like 2019, 2020, like people who watch like 13, 14 year old prospects <laughs> on Twitter and stuff like mentioning this 2023 draft. And then, you know, you look at the numbers and like the numbers back up everything that you're hearing about it. That's good to hear. When, when Byron from the math stat, stats model side says the data looks different with this group. And then Joel, you're saying from the scouting community, these guys have been turning heads and like woof, raising eyebrows for a while. When both those things match, I think it's easier to believe in the hype. Uh, what could a 16th overall pick look and feel like if it goes well? Could the Flames get a superstar at 16? Or is this going to be a, well, he's a solid number two center that gave you 10 years. I mean, anything's possible. Um, the reality is, is it's, uh, I mean, the Flames got to be more conscious about why they're picking at 16 every year as far mm. as like how they get the superstar there. I think that's probably the biggest question in Flames fans. Sure. But I mean, you can, and I think there's going to be some, if you want to take some wild swings, there are going to be some guys there who could be franchise changers. I think, you know, they kind of show up in whatever model as you want. The reality is, is they are risky, um, but they, but the risk, but the potential for it to turn out is also something that can't be undeniable. I mean, we're already talking about this draft of how far Michkov is going to fall. So, yeah. you know, let's okay. So then let's let's pivot because you make a good point, Joel. Let's let's get back to the Flames here. I don't want to completely uh, knock people over the head with uh, a tree trunk just yet on the draft <laughs> stuff. And to be fair, I think a lot of people are aware of clearly Bedard. Everyone is, even if you're not a hockey fan, you've probably got a bit of a read on. Okay, this is a special talent coming into the league. We know it's a strong class. That's not getting too crazy, and we'll start to get through the names of. And we'll even do a mock at the end of, okay, let's go through 16 and see where the flames end up based on what you guys know. And uh, it'll give an idea of like, okay, this, we're having someone slide or like, geez, this caliber of player is available here. But how are the flames going to approach this? Like Byron, you're watching from close by in the city. Uh, Craig Conroy's in. This is not an easy set of uh, objectives in place. Cause I believe, and we don't know it to be fact, but I believe that his task is to keep this club competitive, make the playoffs. But I also think he understands that this team could get really old, really quick. If you just bring back your seven free agents, you know, to mention on the back end, four of your top five defensemen working from the top, Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov and a, a wild card in Shillington, but young and the type of player that they're going to need. If he's good, you need to keep him. And then up front, oh, just your number one center, your number three center, and your top scoring winger. That, that's that's all for free agents. This is quite a spot that Craig Conroy walks into this year. Yeah, no, for sure. And I like, you know, he's got the 16th pick. He's got all these balls in the air. He's got, you know, all these UFAs. So I think the play is, you know, I'm sure he's trying to sign – some of them or all of them, but I think he's definitely probably going to trade one of them and try and get another first round pick. And I don't like, I've heard that maybe they bundle that up and try to get, you know, higher, try to get at the back end of the top 10 or something like that. I think it's more, you know, get another pick maybe in the teens and then keep both of them. And then, you know, this youth movement that he's talking about, get a couple good pieces that wouldn't be available in most other drafts, but sure. you're going to get a couple good players in, you know, that kind of 15 to 20 hole. So I think that might be the move is, is get a couple picks in there and then, and then hope that they work out as good as they look and as good as this draft is supposed to be, because, you know, if you're, 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 you're in win now, and this is a really good draft, you can get a couple picks, but then if you're, 
you know, if you go to the, the next draft and then it's not as strong or something, then you can't get the players there. So I yeah. think that's the move is, you know, probably something like Hannafin, trade him off, get the pick and then make both of them. And hopefully both of them are in the NHL within two or three years. Yeah. So Joel, you, I, I hear what Byron's saying. And I, I think at this point, the hard part is I don't have to tell you if I'm signing or not. I could take my sweet time. I've got a year until free agency. I don't know what the market's going to bear. I don't know which teams are competitive a year from now. I don't know what the cap's going to be even in a year. I can I got some ideas, but I'm just not in a hurry to make up my mind. That's probably what Craig Conroy is facing with three, four, five of these seven UFAs. That's uh, that's he's going to have to probably say, I don't know that this guy will or won't resign, but I can see what his market value is. And I might have to make a move right here. Yeah. And I think um, I think the thing that he's becoming familiar with and he's talked about this quite a bit about just like the wishy-washiness or just the indecisiveness um guys that say like yeah no like we can continue to talk and et cetera, et cetera. and i think he's talked about this a ton in the media that even i've seen um, of him just saying i have to learn a lesson from that and so we'll see what lesson he learns um but i mean the, the obvious lesson should be look early look to see what the trade market is early on those players and see what you can do see what the options are I mean, he was under Brad for living who it just seemed like Brad was one to kind of ask everybody what was going on. I think mm -hmm. he'll take a page from that. Um, but I think, I think in my mind, at least I've kind of just accepted that there's probably a couple of players that have already said like, I don't know, or I don't yeah. want to. And or those I'm, are just I'm easy. pricing myself out of here. I want 10 yep. and I'm not a $10 million player. Do what you need to do. Yep. Um, and so if that's the case, I mean, it's an easy spot to try to get a couple of high picks, bring in a couple of uh, younger players and go from there. So if you can get another top 20 pick for one of those, whether it's Lindholm or Hannafin, is that enough or is that a centerpiece to a deal? I mean, obviously the market's going to dictate what guys are worth. You need betting wars. You don't, can't just have one person you're talking to. And if you allow, uh, you know, Lindholm and or Hannafin to say, oh, negotiate with these guys. Well, I only like the offer this team. Well, now you've lost your leverage. It's, it's kind of a, a tough spot there. But if you can get your paws on another pick in the teens and then maybe a couple other pieces, like I sort of think the market, Byron, for – a D man and we've seen different types of them, but it seems like the safe sort of sea uh, level for the trade would be a first in two seconds. That's what you saw for a young Dougie Hamilton who hadn't quite proven himself for a Travis Hamanick who didn't bring offense, but you know, had a value deal going. It's also what you saw with Hampus Lindholm who was acquired at the deadline uh, to Boston and then re-upped a first in two seconds is becoming a really common package that you'll see for good defensemen and Noah Hannafin is one would that sort of be a starting point where you think yeah if in this year's draft especially let's do this yeah I think definitely that sounds just about right for me or you have like the you know kind of mid first rounder coupled with you know like kind of like a b-level prospect not like one of these guys that's knocking on the door and as soon as he makes NHL he's going to turn into a star like a Cooley type not that type but you know, more like a, a Peyton Krebs type thing where he's he's there, he's around, he's about to make the NHL, but probably kind of more in like a middle six role. So I could see that, like a first and a player like that, or a first and two seconds really makes sense. Yeah, you flip Krebs, that's interesting. There's been a bunch of proposals out there that media people have put together. Not here's what I'm hearing, but here's what the type of package I think would work. And Krebs to and Buffalo did, was one that made sense. He came over in the Vegas deal for Jack Eichel. He's a guy that sh showed some upward movement last year in his game. Buffalo likes him, but do they like his upside or adding another top four defenseman more to a Buffalo team that looks like they're coming out of this rebuild pretty quick all of a sudden? That's an interesting name to bring up. Okay, Tokes guy too. Well, so local, nice. yeah. yeah. Local. Okay. Uh, so th that's where the Flames are at in terms of 
seven guys. I, I'm not as worried about the Backland Tanev situation, uh, even to Foley in the sense that these aren't franchise pillars for the next five to 10 years. Whereas Lindholm and Hannafin, they're going to dictate max term. You can sell off a couple of guys at the deadline or, you know what? We're competitive more than we thought. We're willing to take Michael Backlund straight to UFA. And maybe he doesn't resign. We lose it for nothing, but we think we're good enough that we could keep him. Is that sort of how you'd view this group? Like the older guys, you maybe you will take into the season as UFAs or no. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, taking off your, your Homer Calgary flames thing. I mean, Backlund's been there since the start, obviously once career flame, you know, like you kind of want to give him that respect and and give him the deal and give him the captaincy. But yeah, I, I think I agree. I mean, yeah, they both coming off career years, you know, if you sell to Foley right now, based on that crazy year he had, like, can you get something like really good for this, this draft, you know? So yeah, I mean, I see it the same way that the other two are, are certainly worth more and, and you probably want to iron that out before the draft comes along. But I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence with that one with what you want to do there. Yeah, you certainly want to know what they're worth and you certainly want to know what it's going to take to bring guys back. And I think you do that for all seven guys. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the key, thing I keep coming back to is you can't afford to mess up a Lindholm or a Hannafin. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're too rare of pieces to come along. Like I, I try to imagine this team without Elias Lindholm and I'm like, where's their center depth? Yeah. It's 34 year old Nazem Kadri in a year and Michael Backlund's out of a contract. Who's after Kadri? That's it. There's... That's not a competitive team. I mean, if you've got three guys like Kadri, you're in great shape, but just him? No. So don't let him turn into dust. Yeah. Gone, right? Yeah. Um, and you're right about Foley. It's, where the cap is and what he's making and the production he just had, that's a, that'd be a really nice piece at a low number for a contender to bring. And maybe it is at the draft. You can say, you know what? We are not getting the answers we want from Lindholm and Hannafin. We're going to push into the season a bit, but we did manage to get our paws on a first for Toffoli or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So back to the 23 class we go. I want to talk about the top. Connor Bedard's clearly number one uh, and not number one, this year, but maybe over the course of a decade or so, this is a, we're hearing the word generational. Is that fair, Joel? He had exceptional status in the Western league. And I think you're looking at, you know, better than Sid and McDavid type numbers in junior or comparable. Like those are, those are guys we call generational guys. Yeah. The, I think the thing that was fun for me is like, you know, I'm used to watching a lot of U15 hockey and when you go there and you watch the most talented players on sometimes really rough teams, they start to like, just play around and they start to do stuff where it's just like, they're just doing whatever they want to do. And yeah. so like part of dissecting their game is like, are they going to play like this at the next level? Like no, maybe yes, no, like they're just doing whatever they want. And it's crazy to see Bedard do that in the WHL. Yeah. Like I, I swear there were probably nights where like in my head, at least it was like the coaching staff being, you know, him being like, coach, what do you want me to do? And he's like, do whatever you want. And like, and that was the answer. And like, and that's how good he is. And it was just like, but you could see him uh, change his game with you. Like when he was playing U18s, you could see him change his game as he went to the World Juniors. Um, he's just, he can play multiple different styles. He just truly is generational. And he has the aspects that um, are no miss acts, uh, like assets. His shot, the way that he processes his game, the way that he can manipulate pressure, the way that he can skate. So to me, um, he is, you know, he's Jack Hughes with an Austin Matthews shot, which is gross. You know what I mean? And so how do you deal with that? You just, you know, if you're, if you're drafting Connor Bedard, you just go, we're going to do everything we can to keep you healthy. 
and that's it. That's all you do. I, I would say um, yeah, step one draft Bedard, step two profit. I don't know like what they sold. Two yeah, and I mean like tickets yeah, and hours after the draft lottery, yeah. <laughs> right? It's and, wild. And, and like we talk about them, like even go back to the U eighteen stuff. You've got you know the matchup of Bedard versus Michkov and stuff like that too, where mm-hmm. Michkov has that same level caliber shot where he can really find lanes and break games open too. So there's those two of those caliber players. Um, like when we're talking about the flames here, we're talking about Tyler Toffoli potentially leaving and then who's scoring goals for the team. It, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And so it's a huge thing to get goal scorers. This is why Pete teams target goal scorers and the right goal scorers. And Connor Bedard just happens to be a premier goal scorer. Yeah. Like we always say, there's, there's lots of traits that you want, and, but the, the rarest and the most coveted and the ones that get you paid the most, that's just scoring goals. Just do that. But get yourself to the hall, score 500, you're good. Exactly. Uh, and so off he goes at number one, but it, it's not him and it's not him alone. There's, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, warranted hype uh, f- after him at the top. Uh, clearly, Fantilli from college, Mishkov in Russia, which is a story to itself. And you've got uh, Leo Carlson, Will Smith. This this feels like a, the five best players, you could argue. Is, there, is it simply... Connor tier two and down, or is that all one group? Do, do we feel like there's a drop off after five? Like, how do you view the, the top end here? Joel, we'll start with you. I would say like, you know, Bedard is the top and I think you just, you can't take him out of that. Um, but the reality is, is, you know, some of the other players, when you talk about building a contender, you build a playoff team or whatever, and you look at a player like Adam Fantilli, is that not the, exactly the kind of player that you want to build around down the middle? You know what I mean? And so like, it's it feels in that sense very much like oh you didn't get mcdavid well here's jack eichel and uh you know what i mean and so i'll be reminded of that but i I think this spring was pretty good for that at least in a sense you know what i mean like they're you know obviously it's all the things but if you're getting fantilly you got to be confident that this is a player that you can absolutely build around and uh and then the, you know the same can be said for those you've got some guys that are just their special talents like michkov is a special goal uh, scoring talent um, is there a comp for him to sort of cut you off? Like, is there a guy you're like, he plays like that? Like, he's like a Kaprizov or he's like Kovalchuk. And I, I'm not just needing to use Russian guys. That's a lazy fallback. But when we try to describe how dynamic a score a player is in the draft, it's often nice to pin a superstar name next to him. Like, ah, okay, I get it. It's Eric Lindros or, oh, it's Pavel Bure. Like, is there one for you that, that fits or one that you've seen? We're like, yeah, I like that. Uh, I would say... Like his playing style, people compared to yeah. his playing style is more, his playing style is more Tarasenko, but he reminds me more of the way he processes the game like Panarin. Oh, so yeah. it's like, I, in my mind, at least he's Panarin, like Panarin, yeah. whatever. That he's that guy player. that like yeah. on some nights, there's some things that he doesn't quite do where you go like, I wish he did X more, but then he scores a goal and you go like, all right. Like, and so it's, it's kind of, you know what I mean? Like there's nights where you're like, ah, Panarin had an off night. And then the next night he scores two goals and assists. And you're like, all right. So uh, I think Carlson and Will Smith seem like great prizes as well. And just again, elite center profile offensive players, like the hardest thing in the sport, number one center that puts up big points, right? That's kind of the profile for both. Or are we sure that they're both centers? Um, I, I, I would say that they're both centers. Uh, they could both play wing though too, but I would okay. say they're both centers. Uh, top top five ish. Are you feeling the same way? And and what does your model think when it's just looking at raw data? Yeah, yeah. So Bedard's obviously at one, and you know he has this in in the model. I call it, I call it this generational profile, where it's like no doubt 
hundred percent that they're going to be a superstar. Like everybody who's ever looked like that is turned into like a point per game plus superstar. Like mm-hmm. Jack Hughes is getting there, you know, Austin Matthews, McDavid, Sidney Crosby, um, Patrick Kane looked the same, like all these guys, John Tavares, they all look the same and they all are superstars almost right out of the gates. Like Jack Hughes is the only one that kind of wasn't, but now he's, he, now he's there. Um, so he's at one, but n- yeah, not often that you have, you know, two essentially generational talents in this draft and Mishkov is sort of the other one and you know he might fall to four or five and then you have a guy like Adam Fantilli who's not quite there but he's like just like one step below in the model and he looks like guys like Pat LaFontaine and Eric Lindros but not bad for second so when (laughs) he's consolation yeah so when Joel says you know McDavid and Eichel draft like it's exactly like that like you know you're getting potentially two guys to go one two that are going to put up you know, 80 plus points, maybe right out of the gates or 70 plus just points. Yeah, just, yeah. So, and then, yeah, I think Carlson's for sure in there. Will Smith is in there. Um, the only other one I might add that Michael in the top five, or I had him in my list just cause he's young as well, which I like is, is Zach Benson. Yep. Um, he has a nice profile in the model. You know, he looks like, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and, uh, Nathan McKinnon. Like he's, he's young that there's a lot of runway left there that he's can make a, another big pop next year and, and go up another level. So he's one, another one that I might have in there, but other than that, it's, it's looking like those five. We should probably get you to talk a bit about the model real quick. I mean, when you say Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Nathan McKinnon in the same breath, people are going to say, huh? <laughs> But what we're talking about players. is what they're, they're both good players. They're yeah. in different stratospheres. Yeah. We know that. Yeah, yeah. But as prospects and in, in and coming into and coming out of drafts, they were similar. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially the way the model works is it's looking at uh, this equivalency idea. So every league is sort of different in terms of how a point relates to how they're going to score in the NHL. So the OHL is different from college, which is different from all these different Euro leagues and each league is different from itself. So when you take these 50 leagues and you kind of equate it so you put all the players on the same level playing field is basically what the model's doing. And then you're making, you know, age adjustments and error adjustments going back to 1990. So then when you're looking at, you know, how they're scoring in the pre-draft year and then how they're looking in the draft year and their age, essentially, now you put these people on the same playing field and now you can kind of compare them. That's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, you know, when you talk about Bedard, he compares to Sidney Crosby. Okay. He compares to McDavid. Mary Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky. That's who he looks like. Those are good comps. Yeah. Pretty good. Not bad. <laughs> and then uh, like Fantilli, he compares to, uh, you know, like I said, Eric Lindros, Pat LaFontaine, uh, Degla look like this, you know, oh, Marco so Rossi, another one kind of coming up who hasn't really popped yet, but Minnesota. I still have hope. Yeah. He kind of looks like that too. And then, so it goes down and down. There's, you know, these different archetypes of what the player looks like. And then, you know, a guy like Zach Benson, he, like I mentioned, looks like Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Nathan McKinnon. They look similar in the draft. Of course, Nathan McKinnon has worked out much better, but at the draft, they look very similar. So that's what it's kind of looking at. It's looking at, you know, what does the player look like? What's their star probability and what's their NHL probability? But then yeah. also, you know, who are the players that also looked exactly like this, you know, age-wise and production-wise? And what can we glean from that? Are most of them superstars? Mm-hmm. Are most of them stars? Are most of them you know, an average middle sixer or most of them bust. So that's really what the model's doing and how it's kind of working. I think it's nice that it shows you as well that this isn't an exact science and no one sits here and says he's going to be X. There's a best case scenario and a worst case scenario and a very likely middle of the bell curve in terms of what guys will end up being. I think the model really portrays that nicely where it's like, yeah, there's some duds in here, but there's also like, look at this. Like if 
you want to talk about rolling the dice on some skill, like, oh, this guy could be this, but he might never play. Like there's that that's a real situation draft tables will talk about. Like this guy might never play, but if he does, god damn it, he could be a star. Yeah, exactly. Uh let's look at hit rates by draft position if you're watching on YouTube. If not, this this might feel like a little uh difficult a lot of numbers here but essentially what we're showing here is round by round the probability of you getting an nhl or which is 200 games in the nhl by that's a cutoff you've made it, it drops significantly you're at better than two-thirds for the entirety of round one less than a third for round two and then you're less than a quarter of all players in round three will ever get to 200 games in the nhl and it just continues to drop off all the way down to round seven and beyond for those years where there were more than seven rounds i think specifically for this conversation we look at the first round where I think a lot of people want to be tuned in. Like there's no mistake that round one is televised and the rest is kind of like, we'll hurry through it. We understand that a lot of people, the casual fans haven't heard any of these names. Uh, pick one is you're, you're basically hitting 74%. They're going to be a star player in the league. Like it's hard to miss a, like, to not pick a star at one and it happens, but three out of four times they're stars. Two to five, okay. You got a one in three chance of a star. Boy, that's a bit of a drop, but you're almost guaranteed an NHL are at 93%. Six to 10 is another drop. 11 to 20, it's considerably lower. You're now down to around 10% star profile for picks 11 to 20. That's where the flames fall in. And after 20, I mean, you're 50 50, you're a coin toss. A guy plays 200 games in the league. That's in an average over 25 years. I'm trying to do the math off the top of my head. This year, we have to treat a little differently because the data says so and the scouts say so. And so if I if, if I was telling you the Flames are picking at 16 and, oh, they only have a, you know, 63% chance of an NHL or an, a 12% chance at a star player, this year we should adjust our expectations in the right direction, positively, for a better player. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I like, it, you know, it's tough to tough to gauge. Cause like you said, it's, it's based on an average and then this is a single year, but I would say that you can probably, you know, add roughly 10% to those, those percentages, you know, as you kind of get to, you know, the tens and then the the twenties because it's such a deep draft. I mean, a guy that you're going to get at 16th this year, I mean, hopefully, I mean, it always depends on picking the right player and the player that's going to make it, but you know, that's a player that could be like a, you know, ninth or 10th best prospect in, in any other year, or maybe even, even higher than that. So yeah, this year is going to be a really good one and, and is going to kind of beat those odds I'm guessing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it depends on picking the right player though. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's the assumption here. You don't just get to say anyone's name and they turn to a star. We know that. Um, Let's let's play this game. Last year, it was Slavkowski, the Czech that uh, that had the big uh, Slovak Czech. I'm losing my mind here all of a sudden. He's Slovak. 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 Thank you. That, uh, you know, the, we had the Olympics. We had uh, a really big draft year bump for Slavkowski, who goes one to Montreal in Montreal, and it was kind of like, okay, that's the best player from all the kids that were born on Earth that year. But I couldn't help help but myself by thinking, like, I wonder. What about the year before or the year after? Where would Slavkowski be on your board today? Again, we're back in time of year. You don't get to the benefit of knowing how he did this year playing in the AHL or, or even you know wherever he's playing, other tournaments. Last year's number one overall pick would slot in where if you just have to guess off the top of your head. Joel, you can go first. I mean, uh, I was one that he was – I don't think he was one for me. Okay. Um, so like in this draft, I'd say he'd probably be in the mix in the teens. 
Jeez. for me, like somewhere around like 13. Yeah. And so what, again, we're illustrating is a guy that you get at 13 this year might've been a top three or four guy last year. That's, that's another reminder of this draft class. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, yeah, I would be right in that same range. And I was actually there last year. I mean, that's where I kind of had him ranked and it was basically based on his intangibles and everybody talking about him being a top three, but he was essentially the way he looked, he didn't look at all like a first overall pick. And he looks like that one out of four, that one out of five that doesn't turn into a star. That's, Mm. you know, he was the lowest, um, kind of star probability, star probability forward to be drafted essentially since 1990. So I would have, I had him, I think in the, in the teens in that draft, just because it just didn't scream. This guy's a first overall pick. And I could be wrong on that. He's going to get all the opportunity in the world, but yeah, this, this draft as well. Yeah. I'd have him probably back into the teens. I'm guessing with all the stuff that's in this draft. Shane, Wright, Would it, Obviously I'm, I'm twisting the question a bit, but you guys, it sounds like you're both are a little higher on him potentially or Logan Cooley. Yeah, I think Wright would have probably been, I would have had Wright higher than Slavkovsky, I imagine, but it would still be, I don't think Wright would be in my top 10 in this draft. Jeez. Yeah, he'd probably be back into the top 10, I would say, you know, maybe. Yeah, there's there's a lot of players in there that could go, but any, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say like right around that kind of 8, 9, 10 spot. Uh, okay, we'll switch gears a bit. Joel, what kind of year has it been for Western Canada? You talked about Bedard, you talked about some Western Canadians that aren't necessarily playing in the Western League, but uh, give us, give us the, the, the regional view on, on the crop that that's such a good crop internationally. Well, and it's, it's been great too, because like there were some players like, um, you know, you always, there's the carryover years as well. So you've got players like Nate Danielson who are in this draft class as well, who are really high end uh, top tier players. So when you throw that into the mix with Connor Bedard and then the, the hype that was surrounding guys like, um, you know, Jaeger and, and then even just the rise of Zach Benson, um, kind of through his draft year and things like that. Players like Andrew Crystal, uh, Grayson Sochin coming back and playing for Seattle in the WHL. Um, even just some some really high-end players like Bradley Nadeau playing in the BCHL. Um, exactly. And so it's just the West has just been like, I, I was I was playfully arrogant at the start of the year where I was like, West is best. And they were like, shut up. And I was like, no, it's not. Like, it's, it's pretty gross. So it's, you know, you kind of just kind of get used to it. And when you have Bedard at the top, you kind of just can surf from there. Um, the reality, though, is, is I think as the years went on, um, as strong as the West has been, in my mind, as I start to see some of the other players too, you know, they start to slip down a little bit for me too. So the West is strong, but then the draft all over starts to be strong. You know what I mean? And so when I watch guys like Riley Height and I go like, that's a really great hockey player. And then I go and watch some of the NTDP and I go and watch some of the U18s and I go and watch this, I go like, okay, like there's this player is even above Riley. This player is, you know what I mean? And so as strong as the West is and how crazy the amount of picks that are going to come out of the West in the top three rounds is going to be pretty, it's pretty substantial. Um, Even then I think it's, it's just fun to watch. And like I said, when you had someone like Bedard and then Zach Benson kind of coming up behind and some really high end talents beyond that, it's just been fun. Want to talk about, uh, I think this was more of a debate and and now it's kind of more accepted as a, a, a good business practice. And maybe there's an exception here or there that makes sense, but the Flames are going to sit at 16 with needs, but specifically a great need on the back end where they don't have a lot of prospects and they haven't used a lot of draft picks of the small amount of draft picks that they actually kept over the last while on defensemen. And it's not as if the cupboard's overflowing at center ice, 
when you look at arguably, okay, well, Pelche winger, probably, uh, you know, obviously Coronado's played a bunch of wing and it's a little bit of center, but I don't know that the profile is there at the pro level. Maybe Connor's areas, uh, but, but there's no number one center waiting in the wings, but I still think take that sort of scarcity and multiply it. When you talk about defensemen, Jeremy Poirier has got some tools, but he's not there yet. And I don't see a bunch of young D men being groomed for the NHL. How much, I guess, concern or caution would you have if the flames don't take the best player available rather the best D available, or what is your philosophy on that? Is the draft scrambly enough at 16 that there's a big box and one of them's a D potentially? I think there's some years where when you look at the crop of the players, you think to yourself like, okay, this person's going to be gone, this person, and you try to like play it out in your mind. And then there's that panic of going like, oh, that, that intersection of needs and, player ability it's it's not there and so you start to trade up trade down whatever i think this is a year where the flames are going to have some options that fit the needs as well um i think if they went outside of either taking a centerman a true centerman or a high-end defensive prospect i would be surprised i think that's it's i think the players are going to be there it's going to match you know the range of it and uh i just i just think it's it's a nice pair this year yeah, and you could knowing the prospects well, Byron, not just this draft class, but who they have selected, it's not a bumper crop of D waiting necessarily on the Wranglers or in in the junior ranks. No, absolutely not. Like like you said, like Poirier, he's you know he could be like a you know a second PP guy, probably more of like a bottom six guy because he's you know he's not great like defensively. Pair. Yeah, but yeah. like he's got that offense to him, but he's not like not earth shattering. Like he might make it and he might be something, but like, I don't know if he will. And then after that, it's like, I, I don't even know. I don't yeah. even know if they have a guy in there that could make uh, yeah, the it's You're squinting. It's is young Kuznetsov going to be a player. I mean, it's a huge frame, but uh, yeah, uh, your model, model would say no. no. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, so then, you know, if Craig Conroy had hired Byron Bader in the data department and he says, man, I like, God, we got to get some D here. We got to get some D. What's your concern level going in? I'm not suggesting Connie's going to do that, but just to walk ourselves through this dilemma. If they pick a D, they might be taking best player available, but you don't want them reaching for a D and leaving a really good player on the board. We've seen too many examples of that happening in the sport. Yeah, so I mean, that is a bit of a concern for me because you know you look at the big four D that are in this draft that are probably going to go in that kind of top 20. Top 20. You know, there's two, there's two that I like. There's ASP and there's Reinbacker, but they'll probably go before. Yeah. And then the two after that, you know, Willander and Simishev, uh, those are ones that are like, to me, like they may seem like the safe pick, but they're like, to me, they're like the risky, dangerous pick because they don't show well at all. When you look at guys that look like that and there's, you know, dozens or maybe hundreds of these guys that look like that, like the NHL success rate isn't very high. Even if you look at just the first rounders, like mm -hmm. it's not great. And, you know, you know, maybe one out of five kind of turns into a pretty good player, but which one are you getting? You getting the one out of five or are you getting the other 80%? That's, that's yeah. where it's a big fear for me um, that they take one. I mean, I, I would be okay if they took one of these offensive guys that shows really good to me, that's maybe going to drop like a guy like Guliyev from Russia. Like he looks amazing. 
you know, he's 5'10". He's really small. He can skate like the wind. I don't know if you've ever seen him. Like he can fly. He really reminds me of like the Lane Hudson, Olin Zellweger situations of the mm. last two years. Okay. Those guys drop into the second round. And now they're kind of like obvious first rounders. He's kind of like maybe that next one for me. So I wouldn't mind if they took, you know, a risk on one of that guy. Cause it's, it's not a risk to me because that one's, you know, the guys that look like that almost a hundred percent make the NHL. And you might be looking at, you know, your new first PP unit, you know, offensive stud in four or five years. Right. So there's a bit of fear for me that they take something that's like, you know, in Too such risky. a good draft, you take the one that, you know, you take the five or seven players that are going to bust out of the first round in this draft. Like that's, that's a concern. Uh, and Joel, do you see where do you see the layers on the D? Like the more I look at mocks and the more I look at people that do this for a living ranking them, it feels like it's ASP the Swede and David Reinbacker the German that, uh, depending on the mock, they're going as high as the top 10, or in other ones, they're sliding into the mid teens. Whereas the rest of that group kind of they're all over the map, anywhere from early second round to oh, the teens, like. There's just way more volatility beyond those two. Do you see it as a two best D and, and the rest, or is there just a really diverse skill set here that, that, you know, depending who you are, you could fall in love with or dislike? Well, I think sometimes when the, the defensemen are the same archetype, then you can start to really rank them pretty easily. Um, but I think these guys are a little bit different as well. Like I think those four are very different players. Um, so, you know, when you kind of go through them, like sending Pelica is very much a, um, he's a, he's a Byram type player where he's not necessarily the, you know, he's not necessarily the most physical defenseman. He's not necessarily the most offense. Like he's, he's that mixture of the fluidity of all of it. Um, and so he, he retains, he's just smart. He's in position. He's, uh, moving pucks. Well, he's kind of that type style defenseman. Uh, Reinbacher is one that he's kind of more that blend of the high end with the size. Um, like, I, I think he's going to go pretty high. I, I would imagine, like you said, he's probably, I would imagine he'll be the first one off the board, I think. Um, and then he's starting to get the other guys, especially into the Russians. I think Simashev is the one where he's got a lot more of, you know, the best parts of Zadorov in him. He's super physical. He's very quick on his skates. He's very agile. Um, you know, you can just go watch videos of him of just evading pressure on retrievals. And it's pretty incredible to have a player his size move the way he does. Uh, he didn't, you know, for for uh, Byron's model, um, he didn't put up a ton of points. But I think, you know, people who've watched him way more than I do, they basically say, like, it's there. Mm -hmm. Like, it is there. And so, like, it is risky, but it's also, like, you know, does he fall into some of that category of, like, he takes a big step in the next year. You know what I mean? And so there's that kind of thing as well. But I think for the Flames, these are the guys that they should probably look at. I mean, I think if they do come away with Simashev or they do come away with Guliayev, I think that's it makes sense. And if if by any stroke of luck and or like remember, Cam Fowler was considered a top three, four, five guy, and he went to like, I believe 12 or 13, and the Rangers fell in love with Dylan McElrath ahead of him. Like crazy things happen in some of these drafts. Guys fall. If it's Rhinebacker or ASP there, do they have to pounce because there is your intersection of of D and best player available? I would probably guess so. Yeah. I 
like for sure. If one of those two is available, I think they'd be pretty highly ranked on the Flames list. That's when you get the Daryl Sutter smiling when he sees Dion Phaneuf at seven. <laughs> he smiles. What? <laughs> Connie would be extra happy. What does that look like? So oh, you, Connie you, will be smiling about the guy he gets no matter in the seventh what. round. Like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the same, Joel. If one of those guys gets to the Flames, is that almost a dream outcome? Like I, I, I think everyone views Mishkov, who we'll talk about on as his own wild card thing not getting past Washington with all their success with Russians. But, you know, if you assume Mishkov's off the board, that that's a guy that has the, the world-class skill, obviously, but the, we're going to see a slide at some point is what people are thinking. Oh, like where, where is he going to go? But if you get one of those two D is that best case scenario for the flames basically? Yeah. I think um, in, in my mind, at least like my perspective as a flames fan is just like, don't make a huge mistake. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't, don't, <laughs> that's, that's my bar for this. Which don't is screw just it like, up. You know what I mean? Like, and so, because you can look into the past as well. Like, I love the dialogue around some of the Flames picks. Like, I remember them talking about before they took Pelchier of them, like, changing a bit of what they were looking for. And one of the things they were looking for was someone with just a love of the game and a hardworking attitude. And they said, that's going to be the difference between who makes it, whatever. And then you look at Pelchier and you go like, well, at least they, like, I I get why they took Pelchier. Like, it's just, he fits that mold. And then with Coronado too, you look at Matt Coronado and so far you just go like, all right, they didn't, they didn't like throw that pick out the window. He looks to be a mm -hmm. good player. Yeah. And so I think with this, I think if you take any of those four defensemen, I think at the end of the day, it's fine. Um, you know, to his perspective, I think you, there are some guys there. If you do really want to throw, um, throw it at someone who could be an absolute superstar, the Guliyev is, he's a potential that uh, I think Simashev could be, you know, he's kind of in that realm of why Montreal really likes Gooley, um, mm. that he's got that bit. You know what I mean? Those guys aren't hard. So it's – I just think the Flames need to not make a gigantic mis mistake. That's my – Expectations are low. That's my expectation. Don't screw it up. No just Jankowski take a guy that's there. a good player. But Jankowski would not have performed well in the model, I'm guessing. You no. wouldn't even have the league, I bet. No, I mean, he had the, he had the, he had the youth. He was whatever, the September born. Yeah. But other than that, it was like, ooh, when, when – uh, I like because whatever it was, Jay Feast or whatever. Yeah, Feaster and Wise. And yeah. I love doing, I mean, New and Dyke, it was a bit different because New and Dyke wasn't playing actually in his draft year in any of the leagues. But when you compare them, this is like, not yeah. Joe New and Dyke. Like, no, I think that's the same as they have a September birthday as, and they're the same size. As funny as it is, like, I feel like a, where your model and, and you know, a lot of non-wise broad feaster people would have had Jankowski. I think he kind of met expectations. In a way. Not for where they picked him, but I think he was better than a lot of other people thought it was going to be. And he kind of is what? a Bottom six centerman. He was a player. That he was, was 21. Yeah. yeah. Like he, I remember he was definitely not a star, but that draft class was not good. No, that like was, when that you compare him to that Zemgis, was the worst draft class ever. Yeah. Well, Zemgis Giergensen's was the guy that I think at 14, they traded to Buffalo and they got picked 20 in a second round of the UCLA on and somewhere in the twenties, 24 ish. I think it was, there was your Jankowski, the big Jankowski. And I don't know that there's a huge drop from what Zemgis Giergensen's has given you versus Jankowski, except that Giergensen's played the next year and it took, Four years for for Jankowski to get there. No, that's a good point. There, there were what yeah. that was literally like the worst draft ever. Like it was just pitiful. Like in terms of the model, in terms of you know the NHLers and the stars that emerged from it, it was like oh. It was that thirteen? Am I off? Twenty twelve. Twelve. Okay. It's just yeah, terrible. Yuck. Anyway, I don't know how we got onto the Jankowski train, but so be it. No, but uh, I think no, but to your point, I think there's you know when you talk about teams. Um, not have taken good picks. I think one of the things that they do, and we've talked about even recently, is that teams reach on centers. 
And so when you really badly need centermen, I think there's in the last number of years, we've seen teams go back and go like, ah, that was the mistake. We really needed a centerman. They're hard mm. to get. You got to take your risks when you do. Um, but it's got to be the right one. And I think this is a draft too, where I think teams are going to potentially reach on some centermen that they might look back and go like, ah, mm. like he should have went maybe a few picks beyond yeah, that. Yeah, I'm the one I always bring up on the show because we love reminding Edmonton that it's not perfect and they were gifted into the greatest player that we'll watch in our lives. Uh, like Edmonton needs D badly. Let's take Broberg and in the process they pass on Caulfield, Boldy, Zegras, and you're like, if I'm, I don't want to reinvent history, but it felt like, boy, that's a reach for a D right now. And they're like, but look at how many forwards we have. And it's like, you could trade Zegers for a D man. You could. You really <laughs> do you, do you remember that when that happened or is that going too far back? No, that was when my, that was when the flames fan in me started to come out because, uh, because you know, with Broberg <laughs> you took pleasure. <laughs> it, oh, I absolutely did. And it's nothing against a player, but it was just like, I think my, I think my absolute tweet was, uh, it just warms my heart when I see Edmonton continue to take defensemen who can't play defense, which was just like, that was my, it was as fan in me yeah, as okay. I could get. And it's a professional uh, podcast here. I, I, yeah. we'll, we'll return to that in a moment, but first hating the Oilers, let's get the hate out. Do you remember that one Byron or no? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, cause I'm kind of watching it every year and, you know, watching the picks as they unfold. And then I saw that one and, you know, super low probability guy it's going to be a long shot that he turns into something really special turns into you know the equivalent of a top 10 pick mm. and it's not trending that way so yeah i kind of had a smirk on my face when i saw that one come across so don't do that flames is what we're telling yeah. Greg. Conner. yeah don't do that yeah that's not much to ask i really don't yeah. think it's that much as a caveat that's exactly how willander looks he looks like really? Oberg. i mean he's going to be available a bit later but just saying that's that's the archetype right there at 16 i, I hope we don't have to deal with that mm -hmm. uh we i shouldn't say we but i mean it, as the you greater we the, well i mean we're, we're this is the flames draft primer you you would hope that there's a better d on your board at that point so even if you are going for positional need it's not him but then again other people might have him higher i mean i'm looking who's got him the highest he is one on the rise daily face-offs they have in top 20 so yep. i think that's not nothing they got him at 19 and that's uh you know Again, this is I'm sort of finding that there's a really cemented top five. Uh, and then it seems like there's a pretty common group that you can expect to see six through 12. And then it's really the, um, someone might have you at 25. Someone may have you at 13. And uh, I'm not making really hard lines there, but that sort of feels like where the groups are. Yeah. Yeah. Even probably like, I don't even know, like even like that 10 group from 10 on, it could be yeah. just anybody's ball game. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I want to tell you about Village Honda. You can find them on the uh, in online at villagehonda.com and also at the North. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. West Auto Mall. Get road trip ready. It's summertime with essential detailing getting done starting at only $79.95 from Village Honda. Service, the all makes, all models, whatever you're driving, bring it in. Stop in, meet their award-winning service department. Worth the trip, Village Honda, your one-stop automotive destination in Calgary. Okay. I want to do a mock draft with you guys. That's going to be fun. We got some bets on where we think guys are going to go. Uh, I also want to bring in the Mitchkoff wild card. I'm playing the Mitchkoff card. Um incredibly talented player that would go one in a lot of years. Please raise your hand if I'm overstating it or exaggerating slightly, or if you agree or disagree, I guess Joel agree, disagree other. Uh, yeah, no, he's like I said, it's uh he outplayed Bedard at the U 18s. Um, there's Mitch Koff is he scores goals as efficiently as you would want a guy to score goals. Yeah, has a generational profile, just like Bedard. You know, when you got a generational guy, normally they go first overall. It's just this year is just bananas. and So it's the Eichel thing you mentioned earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you exactly. go one in other years. Yeah. Well, do you have the the our comps with him, like in terms of the players that profiled? Like you, Mishkov? Yeah, you told us Fantilli, who I believe was uh, what, Lindros? Same, same ones as Bedard, really. Really? Yeah, so, okay. So, yeah, he looks the exact same. He's got the exact same sort of pre-draft numbers, which are very rare pass to 40 equivalency and then the draft year equivalency pass to 50 so you're looking at the same guys you're looking at Sidney crosby mcdavid Jeez. matthews Ooh. patrick kane jack eichel i think sneaks just over there like nobody that isn't amazing and so this is where we understand that it is a wild card because you're talking about a guy that could step in and be a team's best offensive player and he might have seven teams say Thanks, but no thanks. Why, Joel? Uh, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> that's my well. That's you my do know, but biggest, okay, like, you know what I mean. Like, it's you would take the I mean, there, there are saying. factors, right? Like, there are factors. I mean, there is, like you said, there's the political climate. There's those things. I mean, but he does even show those signs that, like, I mean, as far as I know, he said he wants to come play. He wants to come over. Like, you've seen all the good signs out of a player like that who you know, as far as his intentions and those types of things, I think you, you absolutely have to look at it. Um, to me, it's more of a, he's a certain kind of player. And so, like you said, and like we've talked about here as well, like talking about centermen, I mean, if you just want a bit more of a safer thing and the quality of these players is so incredibly high that it's just like, it's easy to convince yourself. Why don't I just take a number one center? Like that's, and so, you know, if, if your options are like, ah, Mishkov or a number one center in Leo Carlson or a potential number one center in all of, in, in, uh, like, well, there's yeah. just, you go down the list. And so yeah. that's the reasoning to me is, well, is 
there's that right but there's just the quality of the players where you go like i guess and 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 okay so he has a contract in russia that you cannot get out of without making a deal with the k which we haven't had one as people watching nhl players for ages they don't have a transfer agreement there isn't like we take this guy we give you x it's no when his contract's up you're free to talk to him or they can terminate on their own but uh it's the exact type of player that the powers that be in Russia want to keep in Russia and have locked into a long-term contract in Russia. And so he's not going to come over for three years if he fulfills that contract, Byron. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what he's signed to now. And then, you know, there's always this, you know, probably won't happen with him, but like, there's like, Oh, he signed for like another year. And then, you know, Russia's just crazy. Like even like the Malkin thing, how he like, you know, ushered him himself away in Helsinki or whatever, and then came over on a plane sort of almost, well, not illegally, but like kind of breaking his contract. Felt like defection, but, yeah. You know, but you look at all these Russian guys, like Ovechkin came over right away. Like maybe that's because he was just so talked about as sort of like a generational guy that Russia sort of wanted him to come over and like put put his his country on the map type thing. But then like, you know, Kaprizov has to stay in Russia for five or six years. You know, Panarin was there for years before he's out there. Tarasenko, I think as well you know, the dicey stuff with like that goalie from the flyers last year, feet of mm-hmm. where he's like, I'm coming over. And then it's like, no, 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 you have to serve your military time. And there's like, you know, he's getting arrested and stuff. And then he goes and does that. He's not coming over anymore. So that's the diciness with, with a guy like Mishkov. Yeah. Like, I mean, if he's, if he's in North America, if he's, you know, an American or a Canadian, like it's between, you know, Bedard's probably still, that next group up, but then it's between him and Fantilli, like, you know, pick your, pick your elite player there. So, yeah. And so to, to frame it appropriately for people that haven't been following the situation, if he's a North American with the same skill set, no one's sweating, taking him at two or three, but because he's in Russia, it's a very different contract. He's not going to play next year. He's not going to play the year after that in the NHL. And now that's a lot can change in two years, be it geopolitically or the pressures he's facing. Uh, his dad wound up, dead out of the blue in the shallow end of a pool like weird things happening Uh, and it takes so to to frame it condense things as i ramble on uh the risk here is off the ice there's no risk of him being not a good player it's that there's risk about getting this guy to the nhl and out of a place where he's locked in for a while yeah 100 percent for me yeah. yeah, and I and I think if you go to the each team as well, I think like if you go to Anaheim at two, um, then you can start to see some of the things like is Michikov righted there? Yes. But then like back to my point too, it's there's a sense of like now we start to info, you know, put him into team needs, these types of things, whatever. So it's like him versus the centerman, him versus whatever. And it's right there, like you said. But yeah, I mean, if he was if he was over here, I mean this he's right in those discussions too. Yeah. And and again, when you're Anaheim your guy at two is going to play next year. Yep. You're taking two to three seasons away from the ducks. If you're taking him over Fantilli. And as you said, they're both going to be excellent players. That is what we expect. So I'll take three more years of the excellent player, please, rather than waiting for three years. But at some point that risk becomes worth it as the caliber of players drop, as you go down in the draft, um, where, how far could the slide go? I'm going to read you the teams in order. Chicago is the one they're going to take Bedard. Anaheim at two, we assume they take Fantilli. Columbus at three has a GM that all of a sudden looks like he's in win-now mode. He's gone and got Mike Babcock. He's 
you know, swinging for the fences on some trades. It, it doesn't feel like Yarmo Kekalainen has got a five-year run to put something together. He might not want to go get a Mitchkov for theoretically a different GM in three years. He could slide past three, even if he's the best player available. San Jose's at four. It's early in Mike Greer's tenure, but they're real thin in terms of, you know, they haven't been drafting high for a while. They gave a lot of firsts away to get Kane and Carlson. Uh, I, I wonder there, Montreal, okay. There's still going to be much safer picks. How far could he slide? That's the top five. Yeah, I mean, he could – yeah, San Jose, to me, kind of makes sense. But then Greer has kind of been focusing more on sort of like a hard – big player like is, is he's kind of mentioned that a couple times you know okay. like he's he, so a small russian that's not going to come over for at least three years and maybe that's wing. a bit of risk i agree with columbus that you know he wants to kirkalina wants to go now um which begs the question is he going to take a guy like will smith maybe he slides into the nhl right away but guys who come from the u.s development program they almost never go right to the Hughes NHL. They the always first. go. Yeah, Hughes was the first, and he, you know, it was weird that he kind of stayed there and he kind of set a path, and and then Will's uh, Will Smith followed. But you know, most guys go to college for a few years, so is he going to step in right away? So I think Mishkov, yeah, and then you know the Habs are kind of looking for probably a center. Do they want to wait? Maybe they think they're closer to sort of competing, so they don't want to wait three years either. Arizona at six, a lot of questions about. Where Arizona will be by the time Mitchcock gets over. He's I, not going to sell tickets. I think in he's going to go to Arizona. He's I, not getting to sell tickets in Tempe. They'll be out of that junior barn by then. I right? think he's going to go to Arizona at six. Is going to be okay. Okay. And Joel. Yeah. I mean, I could see, like, to his point, I could see anywhere. I think I could see Columbus, except Leo Carlson is there. Uh, mm -hmm. And Leo Carlson is essentially everything that you think that Kekalainen wants for that team. Like if you love Michkov, the reality is is they're trying to get right now the most out of Line, who is supposed to play the role that Mich you know what I mean? And so yeah. Carlson is kind of it just makes sense. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if he went to San Jose, and I would be very surprised if he got past Washington. So that's kind of where my everyone is. seems to think Washington's the end of the line. Last stop think, on the train line is Washington, because so. look at all the success they've had with Russians. Ovi, you know, it's going to be passing of the torch down the road, but you know, it's not like, oh my gosh, a Russian player. What's the playbook? What do we do? You know, they've got a bunch of them. Orlov just left Kuznetsov's still there. It's Ovi. This is not as foreign to them. And frankly, if if, if Mishkov asks around, the Russians love playing in Washington. I mean, it's Seven been a good two. run. Yeah, yeah nice. so hopefully be better. Yeah. Than and I think with Russia too, I mean, and even just when their prospect pool, I think it just makes sense for them to take a risk, mm -hmm. even too. Like okay. for them to just, it just makes sense for them too. So I just yeah. don't think that he gets. Yeah. And Washington picks at eight. The only team we didn't mention is Philly. They're at seven. They could pick him too. Dan Briere's first draft. And all of a sudden he's looking like he's going to, not guy. afraid to small tear guy down. Picks a small guy. Small could, guy, small guy. Yeah. That could make small sense. Small guy club. <laughs> so there's small guy, small guy stuff. Marty San Luis coaching Cole Caulfield. Small guy, small yeah. guy. Yeah. Interesting. And again, it'll be Bedard's a megastar, but this might be the other star. And like some team can say, yeah, we got him at eight. He's the, he's fucking got two scoring titles and yeah. we got him at eight. Yeah. And they're going to be sitting there with their player that maybe is like a 50 point player and just. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. He's not bad, but yeah. 
but he's, he's not a 10 time all-star yeah. like he's not pavel Bure or whatever yeah crazy yeah. okay and the I, narrative I think, rates itself too like he comes over and you just go like crazy and then yeah. he doesn't come over and you go like man they could have had like right and so it's just it is what it is Beautiful like, yeah. story, if, if, Beautiful. if he doesn't come over then then you then you count the years of you go down the line of which players went after and it's yep. one of those but the risk is at some point in time like you said like if i'm that i i you have to take the risk you just do so the wild with kaprizov remind me if you do and it might be too long ago i don't want you to try to well maybe it was this like if you don't know that's fine they had to wait a while for him. They drafted him. He's a top prospect. They switched GMs along the way. One of the first things that was asked is like, oh my gosh, like it sounded like um, uh, one GM ago was had a good relationship with, with Caprizo. He was going to come over. Bill Guerin's in. Well, Bill, like we, you got to get this guy over. Like until his jet had landed on an, a runway in America, was there not like an exhale from the wild? And, that it felt like a pretty drawn out process. Do you have any anecdotes or remember anything about that one where, where he profiled or just how arduous that can be? Cause it was, it's, the, it's the most similar comp I can think of. Cause it wasn't like Panarin was this high pick. It's just more of a late bloomer who was a mega stud. If I'm right. I can't necessarily remember what it was like. I remember that they, I remember internally, they thought really highly of him. They talked about that quite a bit. Um, I remember them. I think they took, they took a couple of goalies in that draft. Maybe like they were, they passed on him a few times too. Right. So mm. it's, but the thing is, is that I remember was like the discussion about, um, about Russian players coming over and their playing style, yeah. um, you know, having a KHL player come over and maybe it didn't work. And so they were trying to really hype up um, him. And, uh, and so I remember the first time I really went and watched him and studied his play in the KHL and uh and people just said like do you think he's gonna do well if if he comes over and i was like he's gonna be a superstar if he comes over he plays exactly the way that he's gonna have success in the nhl so it's just like at that point in time i was personally just being like i i hope so as just a fan of good hockey like i hope he comes over and is the player i think he could be and uh that to me was like because like you said when you bring it over it's game changing it's franchise changing any context on caprizo or no and if not, that's fine. Um, it's a while ago now. No, yeah, I, I remember like you know when he was coming over, and like even with my with my dealings with hockey prospecting stuff, I was actually talking to the Wild like around the draft, like twenty twenty draft, just potential consultancy or whatever. And they were, t- I was asking about Kaprizov, and I was like, "You gonna get this guy over?" And they're like, "I hope so." Like they, <laughs> you know, they were pretty sure they were gonna do it, but there was still a little bit of concern there. But you know, they got it done soon after that, and you know the way they talked about him, like they were you know the, the way he looks in the model is great and and they were talking about him like we're hoping this guy's going to be a driver for us and and you know that's that's what he's turned out yeah so, he's been a stud there, uh, was, there was that situation where he went back um what was that like a year or two ago and then like he had like some false papers or something and then it's like is he going to come back over or is russia just going to keep him there or probably coincided when he needed that new contract yeah, as well yeah, that's yeah, funny exactly. how that works he's 26 now he was drafted in 2015 and round five. Yeah. And so that's not the same at all, but it just, he's a dynamic star in the league that there was just great concern that he'd ever set foot. And it was 2021, you know, five years after they draft him. That's not what we're talking about with Mishkov, but it's not far off. We're talking about three with Mishkov. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. Like, so you're, you're well, waiting a while for these guys. So yeah. Yeah. And the playing style of Mishkov is really interesting too. And it's why I've kind of made the comparisons to Tarasenko and Panera and those kind of guys is like, 
Bedard is very end-to-end type player. He loves to touch the puck. He loves to have the puck flow through him. Michkov, you can lose him in a game. Like you can absolutely lose him in the defensive zone at different times. You can kind of forget that he's on the ice. And then when he gets the puck in offensive situations, driving into the play in, in positions where he can create shot lanes and shot angles. And you just watch that over time, over time, over time. You're like, this is incredible. Like, and it's, and so there was early in the year as, as, as well for Michkov where he started to like, he wasn't kind of adapting very well, changes situations became himself again like in the second half of the year and so he's a guy that once again i think if you come over and you pair him with a transition centerman a really high-end guy he's just able to score for days and uh you know i think in north america there's been a lot of discussion about what could happen that bedard you know what i mean like even last year people were like bedard's too small he's too this he's too whatever and with michkov it's uh, we haven't really been able to have that type of discussion but it's one of those things that like on as long as you have a guy that can transition the puck for him, as long as you have somebody that can really help off the rush to get him those prime scoring chances, he's going to score at a clip that's that's pretty bonkers. Yeah. OK. Uh, it, it, and maybe he's a guy that would get you some jewelry down yeah. the road. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, our partner Vina Nova is Calgary's only lab grown diamond specialist. It's all they've got in the store. What's a lab grown diamond? Well, it looks like a diamond. It's composed as, you know, carbon that's pushed really hard, just like a diamond, because it's a diamond, but it only costs about 20% of uh, traditional diamonds. You can check them out at venanova.com, venanova.com, or check them out at their downtown showroom on the second level of Stephen Avenue Place. Uh, spring's engagement season. We're going to get into summer. It's almost a wedding run here. Don't know that I'd recommend that route, but if you are, why not to pay 20% for the diamond? <laughs> I can't. I can't. Discuss it with your wife first. Yeah, that's right. Honey, is it okay if I make these jokes about marriage? (laughs) Whoops. Sorry. I won't do that one again. Uh, Head downtown, check them out, or go online, vinanova.com. You guys keen to do a little mock? Let's see what the Flames end up with 16. And just like Craig Conroy and company, we're not going to know until we see who's taking the 15 before them. Are we in? Are we up to it? it. Joel, you're going to lead us off. It's pick one. I know uh, just... Settle down over there. It's a Western guy you've been watching for, and you're so excited. So you don't know what I'm going to do. This is a mock draft. You don't know what I'm going to pick. I'm riding Bedard to Chicago, and you just let me know. He's going I'm with a, Riley Heidi. Already told I'm going to take yes. Bonner, Bonner, Canard. Uh, no, it's it's Connor gonna... Bedard at one to Chicago. Okay. We know that's happening, and that's done, which puts uh, Bader on the clock with the Ducks at two. And right now, it's the okay, which center do you like? I'll take Fantilli. So, no surprise there. Um, do you guys see him playing next year, Fantilli, or is it uh, potentially another Definitely. Year? Definitely. Yeah, no, he plays. Ready? Yeah, so. he plays. Big body. Yeah, he's, NCAA number, NCAA numbers that are comparable to Eichel and really? Korea. Like, Stepping he's, out. He's, he's coming in. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. Because we were all talking about pre-show. It's surprising Cooley is not going to come back this year, but that might be more to do with uh, who the Coyotes are. That's okay. a Zona thing, I think. Zona. Yeah. Zona vibes. Yeah, that's Zona vibes written all over it. Yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. Uh, the pick three goes to Columbus. We talked about the spot Yarmo Kekalainen's in. Joel, you're on the clock at three with uh, Mishkov, Carlson, and Will Smith all there. I just, I just imagine they take Leo Carlson. I just think it fits everything that they're looking for. Um, he's a, yeah, he's he's a he's a fun player. Big Swedish center, or tell me more. Yeah, yeah, he's a so he's he's total finesse. I mean, he's one of those guys that uh, his reaction timing, the way that he kind of moves through the ice, transition wise 
plays in small ice. Like his comparison is, I, you know, he moves a little bit like, like Matt Sundin did. Uh, he thinks the game a little bit like Nicholas Backstrom does as far as playmaking. Like there's, there's a bit of those kind of players in there. And, and so he's, He's just a very smart, finesse player. You want him to get him involved a little bit more in the play. You want him to be a little bit more aggressive in all situations. But he's he's got he's got size, reach, finesse. He's got a ton of stuff to continue to work on. Good like as far as too. like the potential is so high with him as far as his IQ and his finesse. Uh, pick four. We're going to San Jose, where Mike Greer's. Uh, well, the, uh, he might have more picks if he can move Eric Carlson, but this is going to be his highest one with uh, number four. What does he have in front of him here? What does this decision look like for you, Byron? I'm gonna I'm gonna go completely against what I just said five minutes ago, and I'm gonna go with Mishkov. Just just looking at who's there, and you know he he wants to go for the size and that type of thing. But like when you're looking at you know Benson's not huge, Smith is not huge, Mishkov is not huge. He's gonna go with the generational guy that's sitting there for three years. So rather than reach for the, the big second line center, yeah. he's taking the superstar winger. Yeah. Okay, so Mishkov does go at four. The slide is stopped here on the draft primer at four. <laughs> Not much of one. Uh, we'll see what happens in Nashville Wednesday night. Uh, Joel, that puts you on the clock at five to Montreal. Uh, I think we all, I guess, are impressed with how quickly they've accumulated a bunch of young assets. I don't think they're a good team yet, but I think they've made some smart bets and done well uh, selling UFAs, taking bad money like Sean Monaghan. Uh, it's an interesting spot. And I think everyone thought, you know, before he left New York, Jeff Gordon's a pretty sharp guy. Uh, he's running the show there. One of the guys in the management team. What does he do here? Uh, I'd say I didn't expect him to take Michkov. So that kind of maybe changes it a little bit for me. Well, he I, gone, so that, don't worry about that. But the rumors out there for, for Montreal is that they both really like David Reinbacher and Ryan Leonard. And I think mm. both of those guys fit in what I know about what, like, it makes sense. Um, but, but with saying that, I think they, if he's still there, I think they go Will Smith. Too good to pass up there. That makes sense to yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So it's Will Smith. Um, and again, great offensive player is yeah. that's don't have to oversimplify it. Like that's a special offensive player, Joel. Yeah. I think, you know, he, he is in a similar mold to like a Ryan uh, Suzuki, uh, sorry, uh, Nick Suzuki. Um, like, so they have that kind of tentative player, but like when you're building that level of skill down the middle of the ice, it just like, like I said, if down the road you have to trade one of these players, you can get buckets full uh, for them as well. Form. Yeah. So, and so there's our top five. We talked about a, a group that seemed to be maybe not in mocks where Mitchkov can slide because of off ice stuff, but in terms of just measuring skill, those are the five guys you're going to see almost everywhere one through five. And maybe one of them falls to six somewhere, but those are the top five. No surprises here. Let's go to six. And this is where we're maybe into the next uh, box or so. Um, that leaves you in Arizona. Who gets the distinct pleasure of playing in front of 4,500 fans for at least one season? Byron. Um, just based on how he's kind of ranked and I could just see Arizona going with him. I, I don't know if I would choose him this high, but I think a guy like Ryan Leonard um, at Arizona at six kind of makes sense. Um, yeah. Tell us about the player. I mean, in my model, he looks, you know, he's a center. He's, he's got a great reputation. You know, he's a two-way guy from what you read about him. But like in my model, he, he looks pretty good, but he looks like a guy that would normally go in kind of the teens. You know, he's an older prospect, didn't do much in his pre-draft year and his draft year was 
you know, pretty close to a, an elite level, but it's just a step below that. So, you know, normally like when you look at like the guys that turn into stars like that, it's, it's only like, you know, one out of five, two out of five type thing. So I would probably have him more ranked in the, in the teens, but I think he's so highly talked about that. I think he's going to go somewhere around there. So. Yeah. What do you see it there, Joel? Cause I, I know Byron's saying, I don't know I would do it, but I'd expect Arizona to do it. What do you see them doing in that spot? Just sort of. I think to be honest, I think Arizona is kind of a wild card. Like as, as far as we all know, I mean, they've, they've, you know, they've traded up, they traded a ton of assets to trade up to get Connor geeky last year. Um, they, you know, they're kind of a bit all over the place and I have no idea what direction they're going to go. I think there's a few guys there that makes sense for them. I think Ryan Leonard is definitely going to be in that mix in the same with Montreal. Um, I think even if Ryan, you know, if Ryan gets to Philadelphia, the next pick, I think Ryan brings that extra level of tenacity um, that in this draft where you start to get into the finesse guys, you start into the guys that have high end skill, but maybe not that grit. Um, mm-hmm. Ryan is Ryan has a bit more grit. And so he gets to the inside position. He's not afraid to be physical. He's not afraid to battle it out. Um, you know, like I, in my mind, if, if, if Ryan is there, like, I don't think Ryan maybe even gets past Philadelphia in this draft sure. because at the way that Philadelphia has talked about their rebuild and the way yeah. that they're kind of wanting to go, it's just that. So Ryan just, uh, Ryan Leonard has that extra little of, um, battle. He's yeah, got well, that, like, complete. So- so you're Danny Breer and you just saw Leonard go in front of you. Dang it. That guy looked like a flyer. So who, who do you, uh, you have the privilege of selecting that is now available at seven that, you, that, that isn't Ryan Leonard. I, I think with the way that Philadelphia is thinking, like I know who I would take here. Um, but I think they probably go with someone like David Reinbacher. Um, so we have our I first think, defenseman off the board. And I it, think right? it makes sense. One, They've just traded Provorov. It, it has been a, gr- a glaring weakness for the organization for many years. Ryan Ellis is probably done for, so makes sense. Like he, he just kind of fits their archetype of what they're kind of looking for. It seems like I've been paying quite a, a lot of attention to Philadelphia's media, to the way that they've talked about this type of thing. I mean, they've been very, very clear this year that they, they wanted to see who wanted to be a Philadelphia flyer. They want guys with a bit more, um, you know, edge compete, that kind of thing. Like they, yep. you know, they're, they're letting guys rise up the system and stuff. And I think Ryan Bacher's probably somebody they think really highly of Washington at eight. We go back to Byron. Uh, they missed out on Mishkov. So I think they're going to go with Zach Benson there. And, and when you say miss out, so they're chasing skill here, they're chasing offensive profile they're, and they're chasing, adding high pieces to their prospect pool that they haven't had for years. I mean, probably not since, you know, Kuznetsov type thing of they had, you know, a player that could be, you know, a top line driver like that. And, and Benson could be that probably not right away. He probably goes back for a year or two, but you know, could be there in a couple of years. So Benson at eight to Washington, uh, winger, left winger for sure. We think, or yeah. Okay. Uh, nine back to Detroit. This is interesting for Detroit. They've got a couple picks. They added, uh, not only their own, but Vancouver's, which actually is the Islanders, in the Bo Horvat swap, if you remember Horvat to the island, first rounder back. Vancouver turns that around, sends it out for Philip Heronic. So uh, it was an interesting uh, deadline for Steve Eiserman. He said, you know what? A lot of people like this team. We're getting better. Not quite there yet. I'm going to grab some more lottery tickets. And it feels like a good draft to do that. Uh, the first few numbers hit in this year's draft class. You're, you're closer to hit winning the lottery. What does he have here at nine on his own pick? Joel? I'm going to say Oliver Moore. Uh, from the NTDP. Um, he has speed and skill for days. Um, he had the unique pleasure of being the second line 
center <laughs> on the team uh, and not getting, you know, the, the wingers that some other guys have his, his skill is arguably, you know, if you kind of break down the skill elements, he's right there with everyone else. I think like we, when we talked about taking the, the, the risk on the skill and taking the risk on the centerman, I think this makes sense. And it also kind of just, it feels very Detroity to me. Okay. And you, and you sort of noted the second lines there, Will Smith playing in front of him. That's what we're talking about. He's in Will Smith's shadow. Yeah. Like young but, Carlton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's do for one bad Will Smith. You <laughs> cannot hold me down. Yeah. I get one. That was it. We'll move to 10. <laughs> Poor RJ's losing it over there. Stop that up, yeah. Bottom of the uh, St. Louis, first of three picks in the first round. Maybe the only one they use is kind of what we heard uh, Frank Saravalli, um opining or maybe suggesting is the case. St. Louis isn't a bad team. They got some nice pieces. Uh, they're in a window to be good, and they pick also at 25 and 29. Maybe you use 25 and 29 to improve the roster. And at 10, you find your next organizational pillar of sorts. What's available on the table a 10 for St. Louis Byron. Hmm. I like, I would have thought Detroit, you know, they love their Swedes. So I would have thought they would have taken this guy, but okay. Joel went a different way. So I'll go with, well, he's not a Swede, but he played in Sweden. So I'll okay. go with Dvorsky. Uh, he's kind of highly ranked in, in that realm. Um, didn't have, he's kind of an odd prospect in terms of the model. He, he didn't, he played in the secondary Swedish league, the, Alvinstan, mm-hmm. uh, and he was okay. Didn't produce a whole lot there, but he had like a really good pre-draft year, and then he went over to the J20, like kind of at the back end of the season, and then he produced like crazy. Picks, yeah. And the way the model works is, I always choose where they show best, and it's a super small sample set, but he showed really good in the J20. He's a young guy, so he actually looks pretty decent in the model. Um, yeah, and he's kind of ranked around there, so I could see, I could see them going for him. So. Okay, Vancouver at 11. This is their own pick, not the Islanders, if I'm correct. They just opened up some cap space, Joel. How can they screw this up? Oh, wait, Jim Beck's not there anymore. What do you, what do you see the Canucks doing at 11? Um, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to find the like divide between what I think, what I would want, those types of things. Uh, Walk us through it. Like, talk us through that. You know, what would well, you, I think, what you think they're going to do? Like, what, 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 what are you, if you're a GM and what's screaming at you right now? That I can't believe this guy's still on the board. Well, and I think we've, we've kind of talked about it here where this is where it starts to kind of pick up in the draft where like, it's very wide open. There's some players yep. with some really big question marks. There's some players with some really big upside there. You know what I mean? And so this is where, this is where players won't work out. And this is where players will like, this is where it, it is going to be really split. Um, and I think this is probably volatility where, here. List yeah. And this is where teams, I think, I think okay. this is where teams maybe reach on some players too. Like I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, Nate Danielson um, to okay. Vancouver. at You referenced Danielson earlier, I believe. So tell us more about him. So Nate Danielson is, uh, he is one of the older players. He's a 2004 um, he was kind of in Brandon. His his very unique elite quality is the way that he transitions pucks. He's a very, very efficient transition centerman. Uh, it makes power play entries and those types of things really, really incredible. He has a very long stride, long build, uh, finesse uh, through the neutral zone. Um, he's, he's not a natural goal scorer, and he's not that kind of player that will wait that 95% in order to set up someone in a prime area. He's got some kind of stuff to work on. He's somebody that I could see taking a route similar to a, a Michael Backlund where the skill is 
sometimes it's working, sometimes it isn't. So you really have to work on your pro, you know, cutting harder, being tougher on pucks, back checking every shift. He's got pieces of that. And I think he's somebody that you just have to continue to work with. I, I do think this is quite a bit higher than I would have taken him, but I think he's somebody that it makes sense for someone to kind of reach on because he, if he does work out, I think it's, it's a, it's a really terrific um, positional two-way centerman. Seventh amongst North American skaters in uh, central scouting. So, I mean, it's not all lists. And again, this is where you talk about the volatility. That's, that's as high as, as I've seen them. And I, maybe there's some, another list somewhere, but uh, it does speak to the volatility you alluded to. Yep. Um, so you're going to take Danielson there. You want to leave that one at, at that spot? Sure. Tell me who, who's your runner up that you're going to look back and say, damn it on that mock draft. I should have pretended to take this guy. Well, and it, so this, like, this isn't what I would take or, you know, those types of things, but I think there's guys like, you know, if they want to go to the local guy, I mean, there's a lot of people that really like Matthew Wood in that spot. I mean, you could go defenseman there. I I just have really no idea what Vancouver is actually thinking. That's probably the biggest thing in my mind is, is, yeah. Yeah, is what are you doing? What, what are they doing? You know? Mm. And so I don't, I don't know. That's fair. They talked about, well, we can't be making buyouts that are going to hurt us years down the road. And two months later, they bought out OEL and I'm not saying it's a bad move, but I mean, you're wondering about who's running the show there. And to be fair, that's it's the third GM where we've rendered who actually has uh, got their hand on the ship. Is it the GM? Is it the owner? What does the president do? Is the president here anymore? Where's Trev? A lot of questions. Uh, that, back to Arizona. It's their second pick. They're the first team to pick twice in the draft. They picked at six, Ryan Leonard. Uh, you had that privilege, Byron. You get another one. You're, you're a GM twice over. Or what is it? Uh, Bill Armstrong. Uh, I think they'll go maybe a bit riskier here and take kind of the offensive punch that if he, if he hits, he could hit really big and he, they take Gabe Perot. Okay. Wow. Tell me about Gabe Perot. So, I mean, yeah, model wise, like he's a young player has the sky high equivalency playing mostly with Will Smith all year, which is pretty rare. So in U S development program. Yeah. Same program. Didn't have the the pre-draft year to sort of back it up, which, you know, that's a big difference when you're, when they have the pre-draft year that backs it up, that's like 97th percentile. And then they also have the draft year. Like these are the ones that turn into stars, like, you know, three out of four times when they don't have that year to back it up. It's more like, maybe one out of four type thing, one out of three. So that's what you're kind of looking at there. So if you're betting hits, on the, the profile. Big. Yeah. You're betting on the skill set. It's, it's a low floor, high ceiling pick. Yeah, yes. I shouldn't say low floor. It's a high yeah. ceiling pick, but it, it might not pan out. It's yeah. only one yeah, year. He's flashed. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I like that. Cause that pairs with your Leonard pick, which wasn't a high ceiling, yeah, but a kind high of floor. A safer, okay. you know, two-way one or competitive one or whatever and then you have the the gay Perot one that if it hits it could hit really big so you got but Perot going 12 we'll revisit that later there's some bets we're gonna make in a while uh 13 we're closing in on the flames pretty quickly here buffalo uh pittsburgh nashville the only teams left before calgary and uh, i'm starting to think for the flames that draft table is like mm, one of those two d we're talking about still there joel buffalo at 13 who do they take uh, they're an interesting team too, right? Because they've got a ton of prospects that are really coming in. So they're starting to be selective. But at this point in time, I think they have the privilege of just trying to select the best player and going from there. Um, I would imagine that Buffalo system probably really likes this guy. I'm going to go with um, Sandine Pelica on the back end, adding a defenseman like that. Um, it's a D-man. They have, like, they have a ton of forwards. They're obviously adding a ton of – like they have the – 
They have the defense, especially the offensive guys. He doesn't naturally, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if there's a nat. He just, I just, best player. They take him. Yep. Don't overthink it. You're deep. Oh. Go get another stud. Yep. Okay. Where are we at on the best player available conversation at this point? Are we, is it a Barlow type? Is it uh Stemberg? Where is it? Is this now where it's like, there isn't one. There's the, there's 20 guys in the box yeah. here. Interesting. Yeah. Like, like I said, this is where it kind of opens up. There's some guys that uh, they're natural goal scorers. There's guys that, that have a bit more of that, that scoring touch here, but I think they're all risky. They've all got, you know, potential, some bust in them at least a little bit. And uh, so throw caution to the wind. <laughs> Pittsburgh at 14. Kyle Dubas. What's up, dog? Kyle Dubas. That's an interesting. Got some old quirk. guys. Yeah, it's it's not the the old mold. It's it's Kyle Dubas. Um, yeah. And this is going to be like the first time that they like add like a pretty good player in years. Um, Seemingly. They, they've been trading first every year because yeah. why not? You got Sid Malkin Poulain and Latang, so. Maybe the, the last really okay. quite substantial one. Um, I think they're going to go with Matthew Wood maybe around there. Okay. I think he kind of makes sense there, you know. Collegiate but, player from Vancouver area. Yeah, freshman had some pretty good numbers in college. Looks pretty decent, so um, he kind of makes sense for them. Wood to Pittsburgh at 14, Nashville at 15, Joel. They're really kind of retooling here. They could go a number of different ways. The only thing that I know in in my mind is, is um, you know, the brand new general manager there basically said, we we, we can swing. We can take some swings down. here, mm-hmm. um, some high, some upside stuff. So I'm going to – Barry Trotz you're speaking of, yep. Yeah. yeah, like I, I'm going to give them Quentin Musty. Ooh, um, tell us. Pick. Yeah. So Quinton Musty is uh he is an American player, came in to play through the OHL. Um, he's a very high skill player, incredible skill, very one-on-one stuff. The stuff that he's been working on is very much um just facilitating more of his team play uh through his his uh and just making decision making off the rush, like just picking his spots, not only being very one-on-one. Um, and so, any and he has been like I haven't followed him fully this year. I watched him a bunch last year. Uh, got to see him in you know in the Five Nations tournament, things like that. But from what I've heard from everyone else is that he has made a great trajectory. And so, not only does he high have a high end skill set, um, he he has shown noticeable improvement through this year too. So to the point where I think there's a lot of people that uh, think that that's a fun risk to take at some point. Big high kid, skill, big, six big two, kid. good size, yeah. young too, really young. young. So he looks, you know, and you look at him in the model, like first rounders that look like him, they they hit a lot. Like you know, Huberto looked like him, and Evander Kane, and Sam Bennett, and um, okay. James Van Reems, James Van Riemsdyk. Like a lot of successes in there. So I really like that pick, and and uh, big fan. Sorry guys, Byron gets pick sixteen. I know, Joel, you were. I, had I get pick sixteen. Odds and evens. I thought we just like end at fifteen, and then it just ends there the show just goes dark but well why don't we do this then why don't we do this i'll take it you'll take it for sure but is there a guy that anyone should be surprised is still available and i know we kind of talked about this a few picks ago and the answer was like no this is where shit gets crazy pardon my french but it's like man i cannot believe this guy's on the board like i see barlow stenberg is it sale or Saleh? i'm not sure he's checking chalet Chalet, Chalet. third option there. All right. Those are (laughs) some of the highest on on one board, but other other mocks are totally different. 
Or is this uh, just like what what Kirk Connor yeah, is coming to expect? It's going to be a variety. I don't think there's anybody bag. like sitting there that it's like, whoa, I can't like we we, have we, we missed him kind of thing. Like it's kind of looks like how you know most of the mocks are suggesting and where guys are going to fall. I mean, on my board, there's a lot of guys that are still there at the top end because there's quite a few guys that have some question marks about them, but they look really good in, mm-hmm. in a model like this. But yeah, no, in terms of the mocks and stuff, it looks how I'd expect it really. Joel, same sort of thought. Yeah, I mean, kind of at this point, I think you're going to find a bunch of wingers, some shoot first guys like, like I said, I don't know, you know, Colby Barlow could go a lot higher than we think too. There's some really big wild cards in this draft too, like um, some like, and I just mean that big, like some very, very big skill, high upside wingers, uh, Daniel Butt, uh, Samuel Honzik. There's some guys that could will go higher too, like if people are really betting. So it's kind of really wide open here. As far as that, but I think, like I said, uh, for the Flames having just such a dire need down the middle and at defense, like I think this is kind of about what they'd be willing to expect at this spot. I think. Okay, so let's go to the pick, Byron. You're, uh, it's it's Craig Conroy and you at the draft table, Hummin and Han. What you're mulling over what right now? Because again, we go right back to the scar tissue. Don't screw it up, guys. So, you know, there's probably higher ceilings you're going to leave on the board. You want an NHLer that, that can be special, but you you don't want to swing and miss at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think based on all the stuff we've been talking about, their needs and, you know, the players we like and the players the model likes, I think I got to go with the, the little Russian D-man. Guliyev. Easy to say, at least. No, um, I think I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> Joel's probably got like a better to, handle on that. I, but I've been saying Guliaev, so maybe Guliaev, that's where it's wrong. I'd closer. like to buy a consonant. This yeah, is, yeah, uh, yeah. This is a lot of Russian names are always dicey. A's and Y's and E's in this alphabet soup. Yeah, like he looks just amazing in the model. Like, like I said, like he profiles really, really high, really rare profile. Basically, a hundred percent NHLers come from really? this profile. I mean, there's only five to ten of them that are in there but you so guys, what's rare what 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 is the model seeing that's like whoa this is this is an out this is a really small group of players it's just his normalized production so getting all the production on the same level playing field like i spoke about like when you do that and for the d-man and his production in his pre-draft year and then his production this year both coming from the junior league in russia the mhl yep off the charts like just off the charts he had like you you rarely see equivalencies that high in their pre-draft year as well as their draft year. And like I said, like it's a group of like 10 players, you know, when you kind of batch them together and they're basically all NHLers are all, you know, there's some recently drafted guys that are, that are in there, but basically they're all making their way to the NHL. So I'm going to take that pick at 16 and hope that it pays off big. And you just said, this is, this is a pretty elite skill set. If not huge, but not small, small, or he's five ten. He's a small D man. Fair, but okay. he can fly. Yeah, and he's just great offensively, just based on the stuff I've watched. And you know, again, the profile in the mall. Joel can speak to it more, but I really like him. And you know, at sixteen, I'm willing to bet that there's something there. Joel, more on the pick. Well, I just think like when you kind of go through the risks, like we're talking about, like someone here that I'm assuming is really high in his model, uh, someone like Andrew Crystal. And in order for Andrew Crystal to be Andrew Crystal, he has to have other pieces in place on the team. Mm. And you've kind of seen that in Kelowna, you've seen that, whatever. So, you know, and so like my equivalent is like when people talk about, oh, like why did Logan Stankoven fall, you know, due to size or winter and all this kind of stuff. Stankoven is 
going into a system in Dallas where they have speed, size, transition up the middle, and it's just the perfect spot for him to try to succeed in the NHL. And so for the Flames, what do they have? They have smart wingers, you know, with not necessarily burners. Like they're just, they're smart, agile, maybe adaptable, can maybe play center in a pinch, but not necessarily. Like they're really kind of hurting up the middle. So some of these picks that make sense for other teams based upon what they have, if that comforts you, like I think it puts pressure on the Flames down the line. Um, that they might not have this all sorted out. Like you said, if if they take a crystal and someone like Lindholm walks from a big deal, then it starts to, you know what I mean? And so you really want to have a player put into a position to succeed. I think the onus would be on Calgary to find those kinds of players. There's a lot of risk here. I think that's one that makes sense as far as risk for, for Calgary is to take a defenseman like that. Um, like so, yeah, I think, and to your point, he's yeah. not Guliyev's going to go be him. He's not. He doesn't need a partner to make him a valuable asset. He's going to move the needle on his own. Yeah, and I think he's somebody that, like you said, if he does hit, um, you know, and he does really become who he wants to be, I think he's he's a defenseman in your top four that you really love. And so, uh, so he's somebody that, like I said, Flames do not have. And so the reality is, is no matter what they pick in this draft, I think there's options for them that they're going to take a player that they do not have in their system, whether that's a, whether that's a six foot four winger or, or an offensive style defenseman or someone like, uh, you know, or someone like Simashev or whatever, you know? And so I think Guliyev is one that does make sense for the Flames. All right. There it is. Now we're going to figure out how to say this cat's name. <laughs> I like Guliyev. I'm going with that one. Yeah. I have no reason of why I feel that. I just do. So is the, the middle part of the Russian name. You always do something a little, little tweak special. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that sounds nicer to me. I'm sure after playing in the league for 10 years, he'll say it was something else as well. So yeah, I'll switch it. It's actually this nice. and you go, yeah. oh, okay. Moaning about that pre-show. Yeah. Uh, fellas, uh, that, that was kind of fun. Now, having gone through that process, I'm sure you guys have done a bunch of mocks. So it's not like, oh, when I went through it, like, I play fantasy football and hockey and it's like, you're at the draft. Like, Oh my God, like what the hell's happened here? Yeah. I didn't do any mock drafts, but yeah. you guys do these, this would have unfolded quite similarly to other ones you've done or, or, or was there like, geez, I didn't expect something here that did happen. Yeah. I rarely do mock drafts cause I'm kind of a, a different mold where I'm trying to pick out the ones that are going to be stars. So I'm, you know, I'm rarely in these things where you're doing a mock draft. So, okay. So it's a Take unique experience for me to kind of, you know, figure out, who's still available. And then you're trying to pick who you think is going to go, but then you're trying to match it back to your model and you're like, Oh, this guy's not going to go yet. And it's, so it's, yeah, it's a fun experience. So Joel, what, anything you took away? Well, I just think this draft, like you said, there's always, there's always a couple of guys that go above the, where you think they are for the certain reasons. And this, I think this draft beyond it, all others has a potential to be very volatile because yeah. like I said, the guys that we're passing on here are six foot four wingers with speed um centerman you know you've got your you've got your barlow's stenbergs richies jaegers you know there's a lot there's a lot where a lot could happen like you know what i mean and i think it kind of starts with arizona and uh and then the, the, the chips fall from there so i think you just kind of hope that there's a player that like i said is that cross-section for the flames of best player available and meets the needs I, I don't, I, it was so much fun. I think the Flames should trade someone, get another first rounder. Let's yeah. See. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go find another, chase some more ceiling there. Uh, appreciate that, guys. That was good. Again, uh, Mikhail Guliaev or something along yeah, those lines. That's okay. nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to call him MG just so I don't mess it up again. Yeah. Um, okay. 
couple more things we want to do. Let's get to a couple bets uh, up on Betway. They actually have odds on where guys will be selected. Um, why don't we take a peek at some of those? You'd each highlighted a couple, and having gone through the draft, I've got one as well. I'll start. Um, ASP, the Swedish defender, Axel Sandin Pelika, or something along those lines. I'm trying here. Uh, under or over 14 and a half as a draft slot. So if I think he's going to get picked one to 13, I'd be betting the under. And if I think he's going to be going, uh, you know, 14, uh, 15 or up, that would be the over hitting. I like him under there because I think it would be amazing for him to slide to the flames. And that never happens. <laughs> we we're waiting to be hurt. So just like in this draft where it was like, Oh, look, who's still available. Boom. Gone right before there. He hit at uh, 13. That would be the under in this instance for exactly what we were talking about on that set of odds. And I think I got it right in front of me. I can tell you what that one pays out for under 14 and a half. And again, we're recording this ahead of draft week. Some of these are going to move. That That's the nature of these uh, people that know what's going to happen more than the public. We'll start moving these lines a bit. But as it stands, ASP's line is 14 and a half. I don't think he's there for the Flames as much as you'd love to see it. And uh, him getting picked on the under is minus 111. Okay, Hendo, you had a couple. Did you want to go Barlow or Perot? And did going through the draft and watching Barlow slide change anything for you? Or did he slide? Um, I He's just one of those. I think Barlow is one of those wild cards, um, specifically because he's a he's a strong player. His shot, he gets a shot off very quickly. It's a It's extremely effective release. Um, his type of player, once again, like I think there's going to be a lot of guys in that mix that really like Barlow. Okay. Um, I, I do think he's going to go higher than I think he. So yeah, under 16 and a half means he's taking pick one to 16, not 17 or later. Um, that pays minus 139. Uh, did yeah. you want to take the pro bet as well, or do you want to stick with just the one? No, I think the pro and like we've talked about here too, like the the amount of wild cards. I, I like the pro bet more than more than the others okay. because I think, and it's not necessarily about pro. I think it's just necessarily about people reaching for other stuff. And you know, it's sure. not about who pro is. It's just about what the other kind of, of potential players are available. And so I think he's he's a guy that might that uh, might slip a bit in this draft. And so he's one that I think is that's one that I would potentially make. I'm Lines not eleven and a half. You went at 12 in ours, so you barely get paid on the over. You you did it. It was you biting your nails, but you got paid. Yep. It's minus 143. So it's they're expecting the, the, the over more than the under, but still yeah. pick it right. You win money. Uh Bader, eight and a half is the line for Benson. What yeah. do you like there? Yeah, I like that one for slightly under. So still he went eight under. on the button in ours, which would have been an under. The that's, under pays that's eight money. and a half. That's money. Yeah. So I mean, Money's I think he's going to go right in that slot, that six to eight slot. I mean, you look at most mock drafts and you know consensus rankings and stuff, and he's he's right in that hole. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to fall past that. So I like that bit a lot. And Benson, it's a big number under eight and a half plus one seventy five. Mm-hmm. That's big dollars. He is uh, he is one that could slide though. He is one that could. Well, hence the number, right? I mean, the, yep. the lines are set for a reason, but based yep. on what your model likes or what your feels are, that's that's what it, it's that's what this is fun. We don't know what happens. We're guessing. Uh, those are your Betway bets today. Brought to you by Betway. Get the Betway app. Bet the responsible way. 19 plus, Ontario only. You know the rules. Uh, thank you to Betway. Okay. Fellas, 
Any bold proclamations for the Calgary Flames and what falls out here uh, as we, and now again, we're recording this ahead of when this will air, uh, the day before round one. Uh, are we expecting fireworks? Are we expecting re-signings? Are we expecting a summer full of trades? Are we expecting more than two picks in the top 60? Uh, I think they're going to get another first rounder. They're going to trade. I'm going to guess it's going to be Hannafin, like kind of like the Dougie Hamilton thing, like day of the draft, but like in the morning type thing. Okay. Get another first round. Get a first and maybe some seconds along the way. Joel. I think, I mean, my feel of it like would be that I would expect him to be a little more hesitant. So I want fireworks. I want exactly what he talked about. I think, I think I would love to see a trade on draft day, you know, if it makes sense, if the players kind of indicated that they're, they're not too inclined to sign. So I think if they, if they traded Hannafin to go to another pick, um, you know, pick player, another pick, I think it'd be great. I've seen some, uh, some of the trade proposals out there, not, uh, here's a real thing happening, but like if they did trade this guy, here's some potential returns. And the, the idea of another pick in the team sure is juicy. When you guys talk about some of how high some of these ceilings are like, Oh, well, they got the defenseman and that six foot four winger that can score and fly. Like, Oh, that would be two very nice pieces to place in the system. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's, and maybe it already has happened as you listen to it now. Uh, we appreciate you joining us again, live from the uh, tower studios in Marta loop, uh, myself, Byron Bader of hockeyprospecting.com and Joel Henderson Hendo in uh, Saskatchewan. Uh, the Western Scout uh, for FC Hockey, Future Considerations Hockey, and the Director of Scouting for PuckPreps.com. And Byron, you guys and FC Hockey offering, uh, well, a little little, uh, perk for listening to the show all the way to the end as we get you set for the draft. HockeyProspecting.com, an annual membership. You're going to knock 25% off the cost with code word? Barn Burner. Barn Burner. Same thing over at FC Hockey. Talking to uh, our boy Vickers over there, Joel. He's saying 25% off their draft package. Code word barn burner. Uh, we barely have touched the tip of the iceberg. I know that package is, uh, it's not in the ones or dozens of pages. Uh, if you long for the days of the yellow pages or the phone books, this is what they've got for draft info. Dive into it. Have some fun. Not often we've seen the flames go this high and, Maybe when we're talking and you're listening to this, they've got another pick as well. Figure out who these guys are and uh, what this draft's going to unfold like. So, again, code words barn burner for FC Hockey's draft package. Uh, you can find them on, online at fchockey.com and hockeyprospecting.com. Annual membership, 25% off. And Byron, not just draft stuff, but once guys have been drafted, how are they progressing? Exactly. Yeah. So, watching, you know, how they progress in the next three seasons after being drafted and seeing. You know, if their star probabilities are climbing and they look like a for sure star or if they're falling apart and and they look kind of like replacement level. So, yeah, appreciate it, guys. Uh, thank you very much for doing this and for everyone watching. Uh, well, buckle up for tomorrow's show. It'll be a Wednesday live from a bar in Nashville.